the Lord is good. Uh, well, one thing I want to mention to you before we get into the Word today, um, and this is going back actually to the 1980s around the time of uh, President Reagan's uh, presidency, was that the, the third Sunday of January was uh, deemed to be uh, a Sanctity of Human Life Day. And so I wanted to acknowledge that today from, from multiple angles. Of course, the, the very heart of it was especially to honor the sanctity of life in the womb. And Lord knows we, uh, uh, how many of you, you know, we just celebrated Christmas and thought about Joseph and Mary a whole lot. We're very glad that, that Mary was pro-life. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that was the way Jesus got here. Uh, and so we definitely honor the uh, uh, life in the womb and, and understand the sanctity of life there. But, but our scope of viewing the sanctity of life is across the board. We believe in the sanctity of life in the streets of our American cities. Can I have a witness? We believe in the sanctity of life in our nursing homes. We believe in the sanctity of life wherever life has been threatened or wherever life has uh, uh, been uh, in, in any way diminished. And so today, as we celebrate sanctity of life, we celebrate it everywhere it is. Wherever life is found, we celebrate it. And we pledge to the Lord, as he told us, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. We have an open book test, and he told us what the answer was. Hallelujah. <laughs> Choose life that you and your seed may live. And so I wanted to go ahead and take a moment to acknowledge Sanctity of Life uh, Day today. Amen. And uh, y'all ready for some word? Let's dig into some word today. Um, First of all, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 8, or uh, you can look on the screen or just grab your device, your phone, or your iPad and dig in there. But Psalm 8, we're going to go ahead and get started there. And we'll start with verse 3. It says, when I... Consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. And so today, um, I want to emphasize to you the Father's heart toward us. The Father's heart toward us. And one thing that you can see here, and it's amazing to think of it, that that uh, God created us as the centerpiece of his creation. That's amazing. The, the psalmist was actually kind of blown away he said, I'm thinking about the, the vast expanse of the heavens. I'm thinking about the, the work of your fingers, the, the moon and the, the stars that, that you've ordained and set in place. And they, they stay up there and don't fall down on our heads. It's amazing. And so in the context of looking at all the, the marvels of creation, not just the creation of what God put here on this planet, as Suzanne was talking about, but the creation that is all around this planet. And he said, 
And what is man that you would be mindful of him? And he was coming across the amazing discovery and something that I want us to know about and be aware of today is that God very intentionally set all of this up for his centerpiece and his centerpiece is us. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? Uh, it says you've made him a little lower than the angels. Actually, that's the Hebrew word Elohim. Really stating that God made us a little lower than himself. And we know that we've been created in the image and the likeness of God. And the purpose for which we've been made is to go ahead and have dominion over the works of his hands. And that all the all, all things have been placed under our feet as far as uh, dominion and as far as the fact that God has placed us here to go ahead and, and to exercise his authority here and to go ahead and, and, and be uh, his representatives here on the earth. My, how we have fallen from the original plan. But glory to God, God's never given up on his original plan. Hey, I said God's never given up on his original plan. The plan's still in place and the centerpiece that God intended in the very beginning is still the centerpiece. This idea of what is man, I mean, that, that verse is also quoted in the book of Hebrews. Even in another place in the Psalms, it says, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you're mindful of him? Even over in the book of Job, uh, chapter 7, verse 17, it says, what is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him? So this question, what is man, what is man, uh, just the standing in awe that with all of the amazing things out there, why is God putting so much attention and so much focus on man? Now, I know some of you ladies out there are still asking that question. <laughs> what is man? Oh, Lord. <laughs> we won't go there. But but we know this, that, that God has created mankind. And, of course, when we talk about man today, we're talking in the context of mankind, which includes male and female, man and woman. But uh, 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 it's interesting that the very idea that God placed us here, that the, these very surroundings we're in were made for us. I mean, it's astounding to think that, that if you're a little bit further from the sun, you freeze. If you're a little bit closer to the sun, you cook. But being the distance we are, it's just right. And you see uh, that the fact that the scripture even says in Isaiah that God created the earth to be inhabited. God's intention for the way he set things up and created things was those, that, that this planet could be safely and successfully inhabited by man. Of course, we know what happened along the way. But one thing I want to point out to you, and what did happen along the way, is that things have strayed from the original intent and purpose of God. You know, God was definitely, you, you, you might say, you know, for, from a natural standpoint, we say this, God never thought this. But, but we'd say, wow, God, you're sure taking a chance to go ahead and put a man here and give him a free will to be able to make choices where he could potentially make the wrong choice and uh, mess with the plan. 
Of course, that's our human thinking. God never thought in those terms because uh, God knew ahead of time what man was going to do and, and, and to the point where Jesus is described as the Lamb of God who was slain from before the foundation of the world. So it's not like, you know, uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden happened and God was shocked. You know, he, he didn't do, for, for you that watch old time television, he didn't do a Fred Sanford at that moment, you know. <laughs> he didn't start talking to Elizabeth at that moment, you know what I'm saying? He didn't say, oh, myself, I can't believe they did that. You know, he, he, he wasn't shocked. But thank the Lord that uh, uh, despite the, uh, the, the detour that man took right there in the Garden of Eden, God made this statement. He said, I'll put enmity between the serpent and the woman and between uh, the, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And and the idea that God would introduce the idea of what is called the seed of the woman, and you think, wait a minute, I know how things work. Women don't have seed. How could there be the seed of a woman? And right from the start, God dropped a big hint that the way he was going to go ahead and get back into earth and fix the mess that was mess is through something we know as the virgin birth. Hallelujah, somebody. The wisdom of God is amazing. Right from the start, he wasn't taken he wasn't taken by surprise when man drifted away on him and he already had the plan in place to know exactly what needed to be done to fix the mess. Someone say hallelujah today. But but the idea of man being the centerpiece, it's interesting that once he is restored to God's original plan for him, once man has been restored to, to the rightful place that he was supposed to have, what does the scripture say? Ephesians 2.10 in the New Living Translation, it says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Look at that. He planned those good things for you long ago. Yeah, you might have drifted. Yeah, we all took the scenic route. Come on. We all took the scenic route and like the prodigal son, realized the scenery ain't all that pretty. Realized that when you're eating like the pigs are eating, you're not eating that good. You know what I'm saying? But what a blessing to realize that now in Christ we're created anew. There's something called the first creation and we just acknowledge that. But thank God for something called the new creation. The new creation, when we are born again, allows us the opportunity to be restored to what he planned for us a long time ago. We're created anew in Christ Jesus. And now we finally get to act like and be the masterpiece that he originally created us to be. So man is the centerpiece of creation. Now let's talk about the the craving of the creator. So we've got man, the centerpiece of creation, but what about the craving of the creator? And I'm not talking about the cravings you might be thinking of, especially some of you ladies that have uh, just blessed the world by giving birth to children. You know, you've had cravings once upon a time. 
pickles and ice cream and strange kind of combinations, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cravings. But the craving of the creator was not for any of that stuff in the middle of the night. The craving of the creator is he wanted children. The very, very reason why he said, let us make man in our image is he was a father who wanted a family. The craving of the creator. Let's take a look at this. Think about God's intention. Colossians 1 verse 16. It says, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Someone point to yourself and say, I was created for him. Yeah, come on now. How about 1 Corinthians 8, 6? This is out of the NASB. It reads, uh, uh, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Go ahead, point to yourself again and say, I exist for him. How about Revelation 4.11, words spoken in heaven, addressed to the Lord, where it says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The, the original King James Version of that says, You created all things, and for your pleasure they were and are created. Someone point to yourself and said, I was created... For his pleasure. Yeah. Amazing. Because, you know, in the spirit of our focus for the year, getting to know God more, one way to know him more is to understand his original intent and heart behind creating you to begin with. Because when you understand that, that has a whole lot to do with how you relate to him. And this thing is about relationship, somebody. Hey, hey, this is about relationship. So when you know these things, when you know his heart and his original intent between how he made you and why he made you, you are getting to know him better. You're getting to understand why on earth would you be all giddy and excited about me? But he tells you why. We were created for his pleasure. The scripture says in one place that the Lord takes pleasure in those that fear him. Over in Psalm 149 verse 4, it said, The Lord takes pleasure in his people. Let's take that even to another level. Look at what the prophet Zephaniah said in the third chapter in verse 17. He said, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. You think, is God really that excited about me? Little me? 
Yes, he is. So let's see. What would God sing about you today? Oh, Gary, you're sitting in the front row, so you get picked on. You know how it is. So God might be singing. Right now I'm thinking about Gary. He's not a heavy burden to carry. And no, I didn't forget about Larry. But right now, I'm thinking about Gary. Come on now. Hey. Now, if that little ditty didn't rock your world, you know, and you say, well, that's kind of corny, Lord. Uh, can I have a different genre? Yeah, the, the, the Lord, he know how to do it all. He can give you the boom, 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 boom. No. He can give it to you however you want to, but he's going to rejoice over you with singing. Is somebody glad about that today? Your idea of having little children, you want to make up songs and sing to your children. And oh boy, I got to tell you, in my house, I make up songs about everything. Lord have mercy. My family would tell you, please make them stop. Please make them stop. But I do it anyway. And that instinct that's in a natural parent is in your heavenly father that he's so excited about you that he'd rejoice over you with singing. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, think about this. Hebrews chapter 12, where where it says that we're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him that helped him endure through the amazing suffering that he was experiencing was the joy of getting us into the kingdom of God. Restored once again, the joy that he, as the mediator, could accomplish, grabbing a hold of the Father with one hand and grabbing a hold of fallen mankind with the other and where the gap was to bridge the gap so there wouldn't be a gap anymore. Hallelujah. Praise him, somebody. Raise the roof today. Come on. Hallelujah. You know, it's his pleasure to adopt you into his family. Scripture says in Ephesians 1 5 that he's predestined us to adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Wow. That means that the very idea of him getting you into his kingdom, of adopting you into his family, is the very idea that it brought him pleasure. It was his good pleasure to do that. Nobody had to twist his arm to do that. That's his nature coming out. That, that's the way he operates. That's what he wanted to do. He didn't do it because someone made him. Because who's going to make God do anything? God did that because he wanted to. God did that because that is his good pleasure. He's adopted us into his family. Think about this. It's his pleasure to share secrets with you. Whoa. Ephesians 1, 9, right four verses down from where we just were, 
says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Whoa, that God would share secrets with you. Now, 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 now you know, what we've all in some ways in, in various circumstances have had a craving to be part of the in crowd. You know, to, to have conversations in the inner sanctum, in the inner circle, to, to, to get to know what the people in the inner circle are talking about. And God wants you and me to be part of his inner circle. He wants to go ahead and share his secrets with us to make known his mysteries to us. And that's something you don't just see in this one verse in Ephesians. You see this in multiple places throughout scripture. You know, a lot of times people have quoted, I have not seen and ears not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God's got prepared for those that love him. And they stop right there. That's not the end of what he said because he goes on to say something. He said, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. He said the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So, so we're not just here and standing in awe and saying, wow, Lord. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. And here you are still keeping it a secret from me. No, that's not it. The things that those eyes have not seen and those ears have not heard, the scripture goes on to say that God's revealed it to us by his spirit. He wants you to know his secrets. He wants to reveal his mysteries to you. You know, it's his pleasure. Mm-mm-mm. It is his pleasure to share his kingdom with us. One of the most beautiful, simple statements uttered by Jesus is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We've had this way of thinking that we've had to talk God into the notion of doing certain things for us. As though he doesn't have that notion. But but if if we're really good doobies, that we can get to the point where we can talk talk him into throwing us a bone. Come on now. But the real truth is, is that Not only is it the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, that's not our idea that we're trying to talk him into. No, that was his original idea. That's the way he wanted it to be all along. That's that's the way he does it. That's the way he operates. That's his MO, somebody. So the idea of us being recipients of his kingdom and all the good stuff that's in his kingdom, you say, what's in the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on now. That's in the kingdom of God. What happened when Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom? 
Well, the scripture says that when he went teaching everywhere and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, what else happened with that? He healed every manner of sickness and disease among the people. Don't you know that when you get the kingdom, you get all the stuff that's in the kingdom, all the benefits of the kingdom? And thank God, I mean, you know, uh, our first priority is the king. You know, we're, our first priority is to love the king. But hey, along with the king comes all the benefits of his kingdom. And my goodness, this is not something that is uh, that, that he is not inclined to share with you, not inclined to give to you. No, as a matter of fact, he, he's already done this. He's already made this available to you. He's already, through the redemptive work of Jesus, paid everything that needed to be paid so all of this can be ours, available to ours, not where we need to twist God's arm into letting us have something, but that we can go and actually go and get what is already ours in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, back in the Psalms, uh, the, the, the writer said, let them shout for joy. Uh, uh, let, let them uh, uh, shout for joy and be glad that favor your righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And that word prosperity, the, the actual Hebrew word is the word shalom. It's the word shalom, which means peace, but peace in every sense of the word. Where, where it's, it's peace in your uh, heart, it's peace in your mind, it's peace in your body, it's peace in your wallet, it's peace rather than pieces. We've lived too much of our life in pieces. And it's time to trade in living in pieces and living in peace instead. Come on now. Hallelujah. And the Lord said that it is his good pleasure. That he has good pleasure in the shalom of his servant. The peace of his servant. The fact that his servant would have nothing that's broken and nothing that's incomplete and out of place in their life. But that they would be whole. W-H-O-L-E. Another play on words right there. A lot of our lives have been whole. H-O-L-E. Because we've had a hole in this. We've had a hole in our heart. We've had a hole in our head. And sometimes with our crazy thinking, we've had a hole in our wallet because we try to put stuff in the wallet and we wonder where it all go. But God's taken us from H-O-L-E to W-H-O-L-E. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Do you believe that? Yes. Well, that's all nice and stuff, but sure seems too good to be true. That's different from the way I was taught about God. Yes, and that is the problem. We have been taught a lot of things about God that aren't right. We have been taught a lot of things about his character that, that I mean, some things we've been taught, whoo, God get arrested by the authorities. DCYF be knocking on his door if some of these things we were told about God were true. As a matter of fact, several years back, maybe about uh, 18 or 19, I, I did a series on Wednesday nights, and the title of the series was, Don't Talk About My Daddy That Way. And sometimes I got to tell you, we, we just need to go ahead and get fired up 
And, and, and when old thinking and false thinking about God comes to our mind, we'll just stop where we're at and say, don't talk about my daddy that way. My daddy's not like that. My daddy's a good daddy. Hallelujah. He's a good daddy. He gives good gifts to his children. What does the scripture say in James 1 verse 17? It says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights. And he's not just that way once in a while. He's not just that way temporarily. It says with whom is no varying, not even a shadow of turning. Not even the possibility that he might get up one morning. And of course, when you don't slumber and sleep, you don't get up in the morning anyway. But it's not like one day God's going to decide, I think I'll do something differently today than the way I've always done it. Not even a chance of that. No, uh, he does not vary. He's consistent. There's not even a shadow turning, not even the nth little possibility of him doing something different. He is always consistent. He's always the same. Hallelujah. Well, let's see. We've talked about the, the centerpiece of creation, understanding that that's who we are, the centerpiece of God's creation. And we've talked about the craving of the creator, the craving in his heart, his good pleasure to have us, for us to be his children. How about the, the culmination of his craving? Once he's got us, What's he want to do with us? Now, this is so broad that, that there's no way possible to cover it all. I mean, it, it takes eternity to cover this. That's how broad this is. But I want to go ahead and cover some things today, especially regarding his house and his household. All right? So we're talking about the father's house, the father's household. So the culmination of his craving, this desire that was in the heart of God, how did it ultimately come to pass? What's the sign that we can see that this dream that the Father had about us has actually come to fruition? Well, we get to be the stones and the pillars that comprise his house. Do you know God's building something? I said, do you know God's building something? Well, the next thing I need to say to you, do you know that we're part of the building material? Hey, let's check this out. First Corinthians chapter three, verse nine says, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Wow. What did Jesus say? You know, back in Matthew 16, when uh, he said, who do men say that I am? And it was revealed to Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus went on to say that, uh, uh, that upon this rock, upon that rock of that revelation of who Jesus is, that he is the son of the living God, that he would build his church. Someone say he's building something. How about Hebrews 3, 6? Take a look at this. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Whose house we are. Christ is a son over his own house. 
We are the house. That's amazing. Let's go a little further. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Said, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Someone go ahead and put your hands on your arms like this and say, ooh, God thinks I make good building material. But the real reality is that it's, it's not this house, this physical house that you live in that's the building material. <laughs> he calls you living stones that are being built up a spiritual house. Oh, yeah. Always, always be having awareness. Don't ever forget it. No matter how basic it might sound, everything goes back to the fact that you are not just a body. You are a spirit you have a soul, and you live in a body. When you check out of your body, your body will just lay there. Lifeless. You won't blink. You won't wink. Your body's dead. But the real you that was previously inhabiting that body never ceases to exist. As a matter of fact, if you wonder why God prioritizes the sexual act in such a way and deems it to be such a holy thing, is that in the sexual act, when a conception actually takes place, that is the conception of not just somebody who's going to live 70 or 80 years or 90 years or 100 years on planet Earth. No, that is the conception of somebody who is an eternal spirit who will live forever and ever and ever. Well, that was an interesting side journey. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey. You're living stone, somebody. You're building material. Look at the beginning, Revelation 3.12, where Jesus makes this statement, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Woo, yeah. yeah we've used the term in times past of somebody being a pillar in the church. Well, that, that's not a, a, a term we've used accidentally. That's God's intention, that there be people that are living stones that build up the house, but some people are, are, are pillars. Some people have been faithful to the extent where, but I mean, if you take them out, the, the building might fall because they're holding things up. Of course, that's not a matter of God playing favorites and doing anything like that. That, that, that's a matter of how faithful people are. Not everybody are at the same level of faithfulness. You understand that? So it's amazing to think that we're the building material that God would use to build his house. But let's go to another level. You're not just the building material. You actually get to be members of the household. Wow. Galatians 6. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household 
of faith. Someone say, I'm building material, but I'm not just building material. I'm a member of the household. Ephesians 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Think about this, that Jesus himself is part of the building material of this house. And he is the cornerstone. He's the the chief cornerstone. He's, He's the one that was laid in place first. And everything else that's built, everything that is laid is in alignment with the chief cornerstone. He was laid there first. And then all of us are laid down and put in place in alignment with him. And that was amazing. Glory to God. Now you might think, hey, that's great. But uh, Jesus is perfect and I'm not. Well, even with the foundation of apostles and prophets, God has always had to deal with imperfect people. You know, uh, sometimes stained glass windows have given us the wrong impression about the Bible and about the, the reality of the Bible. Because they did not walk around with halos on their head. And we think about them as being just so... Uh, walking around like the angels were singing. You know how we we can think. But if you just simply read the Bible, you find out that the people in Scripture that God actually used were just as crazy, messed up as a lot of us are right here in 2024. God uses imperfect people. And God's going to have to deal with imperfect people until this dispensation wraps up. But neither the imperfections of this generation nor the imperfections of previous generations could hold back God's purposes from being done. Hallelujah. He has built his church in every generation because he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Praise the Lord. Because if he did call the qualified, when everybody, because of sin, has been disqualified, he'd have nobody to call. I mean, we know we look in the mirror and we know our own business, our own skeletons. We say, well, I know he couldn't call you. But he couldn't have called Moses either. He couldn't have called David either. He couldn't have called Matthew either. He couldn't have called Peter and Paul either. Because everybody had been disqualified by sin 
So that's why we know God's not calling the qualified, but he's qualifying the call. And besides being the the building material that he gets to work with and, and, and being part of his household, realize this, that we actually get to be at home with him. Wow. We actually get to be at home with him. There's a reference over in 1 Corinthians, actually, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6, where, where God makes this statement. He said that you're the temple of the living God and that as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. They'll be my God and I'll be their people. Isn't that amazing? Think about this, talking about being at home with him. Look at the words of Jesus in John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Not just building materials. And beyond that, not just being members of the household. But that we actually get to be at home with him and he at home with us. Think about the words of Jesus, Revelation 3 and verse 20, where he said, Behold... I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. There's something about dining. I I love the word dining. Not just because of the food part. Come on now. Don't don't you judge me. We're not just talking about the food part of it. But dining has a connotation to it where there's, a, uh, there's an interaction going on. There's not just people stuffing their faces. But there, there's conversation going on in the context of dining. Interaction going on in the context of dining. Uh, let, let, let me share some things that are in my heart with you, and you share some things that are in your heart with me. Uh, the idea of dining together is not just a food experience. It's a connection. Hallelujah. And that's a connection that the Lord wants to have with you and with me, with all of us. Dining with us and us dining with him. Interaction on both sides. Amazing. Now let me say this to you. All this talk about home is great, but you say, what do you do if you've left home? Do you, I say, if you've left home, you can come home. If you've left home, you can come home. You know, it's interesting. Um, we don't have time to read it, but the, the parable of the prodigal son is just amazing. And there's some big things that you can learn about interacting with your father. Some very, very big keys. 
that's what I want to close with today. Because the, the thought process of the prodigal son was a messed up too bad. And he's not going to want to have me around. And of course, that same thinking the enemy has used in many of us over the years to get us to stay away from the Lord at a time when we should be running to the Lord. So understand this, and I want to read this to you as we, as we go. This is a, something that I had a, a sent to me several weeks ago and it left such a uh, deep impression on me that I had to post it myself and share it with others. And uh, it's based on the, the lessons that you can learn about relating to the father that you get out of the parable of the prodigal son. See, the prodigal son, his elder brother believed that his obedience deserved to be rewarded. Well, that's what I'm thinking. You know, he thought, well, hey, I've been here working for my father all these years. And so, so therefore, I'm entitled. But he, see, he believed his obedience deserved to be rewarded. Now, the prodigal son thought his sins were so great that the father couldn't forgive him. But neither one of them really knew their father's heart. Because if they had, the elder brother would have known how generous the father's heart was. And the prodigal would have known how merciful the father's heart was. Us today, many people view God in that same way. They either think that if they work hard enough that they'll get rewarded. Or they think that they've exhausted his mercy and bankrupted the blood and it's just too late for them. Neither one of those views about what the father's like is right. And when you really know what he's like, it changes how you relate to him. And that's why this message is so important because it has a big impact on how you relate to him. Do you relate to him in terms of, well, what would he ever want to do with me? But then when you know that you were his idea to begin with, and not just that, oh, I got to put up with them, but know that his heart behind making us was that we would, bring joy and pleasure to him. That he would rejoice over us with singing. His heart, oh, it's amazing. And when you know what the father's really like, then you're, you're not trying to impress him. Say, if I do enough good things, I can impress him. And then if you... Mess up real bad, what do you think? Oh, I'm toast now. He's not going to want anything to do with me. No, you realize this. That there's nothing you could do to make yourself worthy because he has made you worthy.
But the call he's given is since I've made you worthy and I've equipped you with what you need, you can go ahead and live up to your worthiness. <laughs> you can live up to the expectation that I have of you. Not because you've got it in yourself to do it, but you've got my own ability to do it. That's why you see amazing scriptures like us being a partaker of the divine nature. You think, I could never measure up. I could never do it on my own. Well, God has put in you his very DNA. Why? So you can act like he acts. Isn't that amazing? So when we understand these things, it has such an impact on how we see the Father and how we can relate to him because of the understanding of how he relates to us. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? So today, I say this to you. If you need to come home, come on home. No more running. No more trying to uh, reason with yourself, well, why would God want me around? Just go ahead and believe the truth of what he said. He wants you around. You were his idea. You were the cry of his heart. And nothing would make him happier than having you around. And the reason why you messed up so bad is because you weren't around. Because when you come around him and be with him and allow him to impact your life, it changes you. And you get to start acting like and being like the centerpiece that he always had you in mind to be. What a beautiful thing. Come home to the Father today. Don't run anymore. Come home to the Father today. He's good. He loves you. And if you're like an elder brother, just go ahead and correct that thinking. Say, I'm not... I'm not coming to the Lord based on any special uh, anything, any special way that I've acted or any I punched the clock a certain way or did things a certain way. No, no, I'm just coming to the Father on the basis of the blood. Because even if I just messed up once, I've messed up. Even if I just messed up twice, I've messed up. And believe me, we all know we've messed up more than once or twice. Know the heart of the Father. Know how much he loves you. Come home today. Amen. If you need prayer today, before we go, we're here. We're open. We're available to all of you to, to be able to pray. If you wanted to renew your commitment with the Lord, uh, to uh, uh, just uh, get back on track with the Lord, today's your day. Not another day. Not another time. Today's your day. Uh, don't miss that opportunity. Also, we wanted to go ahead and... Uh, uh, remind you that, that besides that, if you need a prayer for anything else, you can come up and, and pray with us. We'll, we'll be here in the front. Besides staff, we'll also have uh, uh, elders of the church that are available to pray for you. And uh, just know this. Know, know that you're very loved. Loved by the Father and loved by us. And he's got good plans for you. Stand with us. We're going to sing a song as we get ready to dismiss today. And a song that will just uh, seal the deal to let you know. The Father's heart towards you. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for worship. My name is Brother Enoch Constant.
And I want to thank you this morning for choosing us to worship and to uh, have service with us this morning. Uh, I hope you were blessed by Pastor uh, Ray's message this morning, who talked to us about the Father's heart towards us, God's heart towards his children in his household. And his word this morning helped me, and I hope it did for you too, help us understand how God sees us and how God wants to share his heart with us it is his pleasure to do so and for those of you who are watching and who would like to know how to be part of that household who'd like to be part of God's kingdom you could do that this morning uh, I can invite you to join this house by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and then you could become part of this family then you could be uh, God's child and you could be a member of this household. You simply have to repeat these few words after me by uh, saying this prayer, by saying, Father, I believe that you are God. I accept that you have sent your son Jesus to die for me, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me for my sins, and please accept me in your kingdom. If you have said these words, and you have made this prayer, I would invite you to call the church tomorrow morning. There should be a number on your screen. You can call that number tomorrow or Tuesday. There'll be someone there to answer uh, the phone and talk to you and possibly also send you some materials to help you understand this decision that you just made. We hope that you had a good time of worship with the worship team and with the word. And I pray that you have a blessed week and that your week could be better than what it was uh, last week. And uh, God could be with you and the decisions that you'll be making and some of the things that you'll be doing. We thank you once again. We hope to see you next Sunday uh, right here to be part of worship with us. And if you could, we would like to see you in the house with us. I know it's cold out there, but it's warm in here with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God. God bless you. Once again, my name is Brother Enoch, and I hope to see you next time. God bless.